Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In both of his epistles to the Thessalonians, Paul stresses at the beginning that the church is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a strong confirmation to this in another passage of Scripture, the Gospel of John. However, in order to see the parallel, we must first be willing to reconsider the traditional and commonly held understanding of the Gospel of John, chapter 14. In my Father's house are many abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will receive you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. You see, probably before I was even finished reading these verses, many of you were already thinking, Oh, yes, that's talking about the Lord preparing our heavenly mansion. But is that really what these verses present to us, or are they a strong, confirming word that the Lord Jesus has prepared a place for us today in God himself, a place for all the believers to stand? Bill Lawson has joined us, our fellowship from the life study of First Thessalonians. Bill, we've somewhat kind of thrown down the gauntlet or at least presented a, a major challenge, I think, to a lot of our brothers and sisters listening that uh, have maybe never heard a contrary understanding to what they have perceived as a chapter or a passage of the Gospel of John confirming their notion of a heavenly mansion. So we have a lot on our plate here today, don't we? Right, really so. This is quite an interesting uh, portion of the Word, especially when we consider the traditional Christian understanding of John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, about the, the heavenly mansions there that I think most believers are waiting for. But if we don't see the real significance and the real meaning here in these verses that the Lord spoke to his disciples in the evening of his uh, crucifixion, then we cannot enter, Chris, into the real meaning of Paul's introductory word to the Thessalonians yeah. in both his first and second epistles. We've pointed out before the two verses, 1 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1 and 2 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1 are nearly identical, uh, both conveying this thought, that the church is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as that verse has two parts, we're going to take them in two parts today. In order, let's start with this matter of the church being in God the Father. That's really the confirmation that we find in John 14 once we have a clear understanding of what the Lord is really saying there. As you said, heavenly mansions, mansions, that was an old English word. I think most of us picked it up early on in our Christian uh, experience from probably the King James Version, which translated in 14.2, in my father's house are many mansions. Actually, according to the Greek, many of the more accurate renderings or translations now use something similar to what is used here in the recovery version, which is there are many abodes. Say something a little bit about this word, Bill. Right. The, the Greek word here is the noun form 
of the verb abide. I think also most believers are familiar with John chapter 15, where the Lord said, abide in me and I in you. Right. But if we go back to John 14 and we compare those Greek words, the abiding in John 15, and then the word translated mansion in John 14, if we look into the Greek, that is the exact same word which is the noun word abode. So you have the verb abiding in John 15, and you have the noun abode in John 14, showing that every believer who has received Christ is an abode, is a dwelling place of the very triune God. If we do have this kind of real understanding, then I think this will help us understand uh Paul in First Thessalonians. Well, I hope we have uh, managed to keep everybody on board so far. I wanted to uh, lay a pretty solid foundation today before we jumped into Witness Lee's uh, first portion, because he will touch this matter of John 14. Then uh, we'll come back and I think spend uh, a fair amount of time talking again about this, what is surely to so many people a new thought, a new concept. We want to make sure everybody is really clear about what we are saying, what we're not saying. So here's Witness Lee with our first uh, segment today. In John chapter 14, that is not a heaven mention. The abode, that is the abiding place, is not a place. It's a divine person. Amen. And that divine person is God the Father. Amen. The Lord Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he prepared the way to bring us into the Father. Amen. Then where he is, there I am. Amen. And there you are. Where he is. He is in the Father. He brings us all into the Father. I told the people that is a kind of superstition. There is a kind of heavenly mansion. The Lord is now building there. After the building, he will come back. As he has not come back, that means the building is not finished. They said, you see how marvelous that heavenly mansion will be because the Lord Jesus has gone there close to 2,000 years. He still hasn't finished the building yet. Uh, why do we know he still hasn't finished the building? Because he has not come back. He said when he prepared, he will come back. No, there's not such a thing. That's not a mansion. That is just a boot. The noun form of the word abide. Abide in me. I am your abode. And I abide in you. And you are my abode. And I'm going to prepare an abode. Who is the abode? God the Father. God the Father wants to receive you all. But you cannot enter into him because you are so sinful. He's holy. You are unrighteous. He's righteous. I'm going to die for this. And my dad will prepare the way to take away sins and righteousness, to open up the way for you to get into the Father. When I prepare, I will come back. And he has prepared already. And he has come back already. And hallelujah. And he has brought all of us into the Father. The church can say and can declare the church is in God the Father. Where the Lord Jesus Christ is. Where he is, there we are. Hallelujah. Isn't this good? Isn't this good? We all are in the same abode as the Lord Jesus. Uh, Bill, there are 
so many things here that someone need to be touched, but I do not want to lose focus. But let me just say as a preliminary word, in presenting this, we're not at all saying that that doesn't mean we do not have an eternal habitation with the Lord, with God and in God by saying that this passage in John 14 really does not substantiate a heavenly mansion. We're not at all denying our eternal destiny is to be in God, with God, in Christ, with Christ, in the New Jerusalem. But specifically now, this place that he goes to prepare for us in John 14 is not that future event. He went to prepare a place for us in God so that the church and the Thessalonians present a very good example. We've talked before how they came out of a sinful, worldly background. They don't just, we couldn't just instantly get inserted into God in our background, in our condition, could we? Uh, no, Chris. The Lord repeatedly told those intimate disciples of his in those chapters of John that uh, he was in the Father and the Father was in him. Uh, he told them this again and again. And then at a certain point, he told them that he has to go. And if he goes, he wants to prepare a place for them so that he said, where I am, there you also may be. If the Lord is telling them that he is in the Father, then surely the Lord wants to bring us into the Father. But, Chris, like you said, how can we, sinful, fallen, corrupted, fleshly, worldly people, enter into the Father? This is impossible. Absolutely. Right. So the Lord had, the Lord says, I have to go. He did not mean he had to go to some place. He was speaking that he had to go through a process of death and resurrection. When he went through the process of death, he resolved the problems that keep us from entering into the Father. Between us and the Father, there is sin, the world, the flesh, all these things. How can we as sinful people enter into the Father? This is impossible. So he went through the process of death. In his all-inclusive death, he removed the obstacles that keep us from the Father. Then after he removed the obstacles, sin, the world, the flesh, and his crucifixion, then he entered into resurrection and he came back into us and brought us all into the Father in his resurrection. So now we and the Lord are in the same person. The place there is a person. So when the Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you, that place is not a physical mansion. That place is a person, the very Father himself. Now we as sinful people, because of the Lord's death, we can enter into the Father. So Paul could say clearly, You're Thessalonians, that's right, your background is sinful, corrupt, immoral, but that's just your background. In experience now, and what I have accomplished through my death and resurrection, I have brought you into the Father and into the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul could definitely tell the Thessalonians, you were, it's the church of the Thessalonians, but you are now in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, this is, how tremendous is this, Bill? Can we have even a glimmer of a chance to match this with our appreciation? No way. No way. We needed him to prepare a place for us in God himself. Then uh, the rest of the Christian life has an opportunity for us to experience, uh, to assimilate, and, and really to enjoy. Right. For that part, we have to turn to the second half of the verse now, and that is, 
in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we have spoken on all of our previous programs in this book, these are not casual. These are not uh, common words. These were specific words Paul selected under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to convey the deep thought here. We're in Christ. Now, how can we be in Christ? We just talked about how can we be in God. The way we are in Christ, as we touched a little bit on yesterday's program, is by virtue of the fact that coming out of death and into resurrection, the Lord actually changes his form, doesn't he? And this is not our word. This, again, comes from Paul's writing, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In context there, it is very clear that the Lord, referring specifically to the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it, Bill? Mm -hmm. And then also... In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, the last Adam, whom we know also from context, must be Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Now we have a potential not only to be in God the Father, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we'll hear in this next section. Here's Witness Lee once more. Christ today is the life-giving spirit. When he was in the flesh, he was Jesus there. When he was resurrected, in resurrection, he is the spirit. In doctrines of theology, it's hard for us to figure out how could the second of the Trinity be the third? How could the third and the second are one? It's hard for us to figure out, but nearly all the fundamental spiritual writers, they all say the same thing in Christian experience, the resurrected Christ is identical to the Spirit. And the Bible has a verse, 2 Corinthians 3.17, that says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And you have a confirming verse, 1 Corinthians 15.45, B, that says, The last item became a life-giving Spirit. And now the Bible tells us the resurrected Christ, the very Christ in resurrection is the life-giving spirit. And check with your experience. Do you have Christ within you? Yes. Then do you have the spirit within you? Yes. Now you have two, right? No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, our Christ today is in resurrection. Because he is in resurrection, he is identical to the Spirit. The Christ in resurrection today within us is a wonderful Spirit. He is a wonderful Spirit. With this Spirit is life. And you can say this Spirit is life. And this Spirit is power. And this Spirit is holiness. And this spirit is love. And this spirit is righteousness. And this spirit is might. It's strength. It's wisdom. And this spirit is grace. It's kindness. It's mercy. He's everything. Not only so. Within this indwelling spirit is the effectiveness of death. Hallelujah. This is why we say this spirit is not only wonderful, but all-inclusive. Amen. 
Bill, perhaps some uh, would say, hearing this, oh, that sounds like a confusion of the three persons in the Godhead. Not at all. I mean, we have not confused any more than the Bible confuses. It seems these verses are so clear. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. Now, of course, as uh, again, we affirmed uh, the solid essentials of the faith in our last segment, let us do again. That isn't to say that the spirit did not and has not existed from eternity, distinct in the God has, as the three have. Father, Son, and Spirit have coexisted eternally, but they also co-inhere, which means they indwell one another, uh, don't they, Bill? And in that way, somehow we have a clue that helps us understand uh, these passages. Right, Chris. We have to remember always that Paul is saying there that he's writing to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we already saw from John 14 that because of the Lord's going through the process of death and resurrection, he paved the way to bring us into the Father. Of course, the Lord also said, and if I go, I am coming again, which does not mean 2,000 years in the future. He came back within 72 hours, Chris. It's marvelous. Three days. And he came right. In three days, he came back to them in the evening of his resurrection. If you read John chapter 20, it's very clear. And he breathed himself into them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So through that process of going and coming He was transfigured from the flesh into the form of the life-giving Spirit. And as the Spirit, He can enter into us, and we can be in Him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is what? Is just the Spirit. The Lord Jesus, on one hand, outside of us, is on the throne of God. We all know this as an eternal fact. But on the other hand, in our experience, Chris, this is what Brother Lee, I think, is stressing here, is the experiential side in the fact of doctrine and uh, uh, truth and uh, objective fact. The Lord is right, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's on the right hand of God. Yet in our experience, he is the life-giving spirit within us. So Paul could say now, Corinthians, now the Lord, that Lord, right, is also He's the life-giving Spirit. He is the Spirit. Now, as the Spirit, right, He can enter into us. And now we can fully enjoy all the riches of being what it means to be in Christ. Wow. Bill, the implications here are just marvelous. Is too low of a word because that means the Spirit today is not just a power, a force, an inanimate thing. It is the very Christ himself now inhabiting, indwelling us as uh, the mutual abode. He indwells us. We are now dwelling in him. And in his life element within us, it brings such a different meaning to the passage we want to come to now. Mm -hmm. Two portions. Here in Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, "...so that you might walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory." The walking there is modified very marvelously, In Galatians, where Paul writes in chapter 5, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And walking in Spirit also mentioned, I believe, in Romans, right? Right. So it becomes a different thing. To walk in the Spirit or by the Spirit or according to the Spirit is very much now related to walking in according to and by another person. Right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The New Testament charges us with one thing. That is, what? according to the Spirit. You don't need to do anything. You just walk. 
according to the Spirit. Good enough. You may come to me. What shall I do with my wife? What shall I do with my husband? What shall I do with this? What shall I do with that? With this? Only one answer. What? According to the Spirit. Good enough. I know all the newly married ones, they like to know how to be a good wife. Let me tell you, it can never be good life. Forget about that. <laughs> how to be a good wife? Walk according to Spirit. How to have a successful marriage? Walk according to Spirit. Good enough. The only thing is, we are not so faithful. 24 hours a day. Eight hours for you to sleep. You still have 16 hours. You check how many minutes you work <laughs> according to the spirit daily. If you would spend 90 minutes to work according to the spirit, you are the most saintly people. You believe me. I must tell you this, even in the meeting, you are so excited. Ah, praise the Lord. In the next meeting, you drop your face. No one can stir you up because you become cold in your emotion. You say, you don't care for the spirit. You care for your emotion. Then how about your emotion? Your emotion terminated in Jesus, right? This is why we all have to know the church is a body in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Emotion, dead. Self, over. Verse 1 says the church is an entity in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So simple. But you go on to verse 12, which says that you should walk worthily of God. This verse is a further explanation of verse 1. What is the church in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ? This is just to have a body of human beings. To walk worthily of God. Bill, if we are in reality in the Lord Jesus Christ, in this life-giving spirit, that means we're in not only the resurrection of Christ, we're also in the effectiveness of his death, aren't we? Right, Chris. How can this become practical in the daily experience of the believers? Chris, I think we have to always remember what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, that that matter there is an eternal fact, that we are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a fact, but practically, like Brother Lee talked about, in our marriage, in our job, at school, driving our car, the key, I think, is that now that the Lord, through the process of death and resurrection, has become the life-giving Spirit, now we have a practical way, because that life-giving Spirit, according to the New Testament, has entered into our spirit. So that's why, in verses you mentioned, like Galatians 5, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit there is a capital S Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is so one and mingled with our spirit. 
The context there is the Holy Spirit. But if you go to Paul's word in Romans 8, 4, he says we need to walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit there, in the best translations, is a small, lowercase s, referring to our regenerated spirit, indwelt and blended and mingled with the Holy Spirit. So, practically speaking, we can walk worthy of God by living according to our mingled spirit. This is really a key we have to see. That's why I think Brother Lee here is joining 1 Thessalonians 1.1 with 1 Thessalonians 2.12 to show the walk has to be according to the mingled spirit. Well, I wish uh, time uh, could keep going here, but we have run out. Uh, But there's a lot more to consider, to muse upon, to really reflect upon in a prayerful way before the Lord. And if you'd like to do that, especially from a message like this, I know Bill and I would both uh, strongly recommend you contact us about getting these printed life study messages. The verse references are there. All these points are there clearly presented in a way that we think would really be a benefit to all those who really seek the Lord in this kind of a way. So uh, if you'd like to get the printed life study, uh, contact us at our toll-free number, which is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And join us again tomorrow as we continue this life study of First. Thessalonians. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.